Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Morning, Wilkesboro Baptist. Please join me in prayer. Dear God, I pray that you would please speak through your word to us, Lord, help it to change us. God, I thank you for the opportunity we had with the high school students to go and spread your word to the city of New York. Uh, God, I pray that the seeds that were planted there, that you would continue to grow them now that we are gone. Lord, we thank you, and we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So going into New York City was a very new experience for most of the high, high school students. I don't think any of them were quite expecting to encounter pride flags every three feet, or the thousands of flashing billboards, or the random drug needles scattered throughout garden beds in the city. In many ways, entering New York City was a lot like entering our own modern-day Babylon. My grandmother, who actually lives in New York, lives at the town of Babylon, New York. That's literally the town name. So there's obviously some self-awareness present there. But just as Daniel entered Babylon... It was so impressive for me to see the high school students go and enter this new type of modern-day Babylon with a spirit of courage, of faith, maintaining their own Christian values, and a Christ-like heart for service. During the course of the week, we spent every day doing both a evening group devotional and a morning group devotional, and I had the pleasure of leading the morning devotional, and we walked through James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. So I thought it would be only fitting if I preached on that today. So if you guys wouldn't mind turning in your copy of Scripture to James chapter 1. Just to give you guys some context, James was the brother of Jesus, who originally didn't quite understand Jesus's ministry and was opposed to it. But then we see after Jesus' resurrection, where James is now one of the founding members of the early church. He's praising God. He's he's leading these Jewish Christians and what it means to live life of righteousness. He goes so far as to eventually be martyred for his faith and his praising of Jesus as the one true God. In the book of James, he is encouraging Christians to live lives of righteousness that honor God. I'm going to start out by reading this uh, verse in its entire, reading this passage in its entirety. So, starting in verse 19, it says, "Know this, my beloved brothers: Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul." But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but sees his heart, this person's. I can just scream. I can just scream it out if that would help. Okay, perfect. Can you guys hear me better now? Yeah? Thank you. 
If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So I'd like to walk with you guys through this verse by verse. Normally when I'm preaching a sermon, I'll have my three kind of catchy main points and I'll go through them. But as I was reading this passage, I just loved these verses so much that I thought each verse kind of stands alone as its own point. So let's walk through it verse by verse, starting with verse 19, which might actually be the most difficult verse in the passage. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So let's try a trick I learned with the middle school students. You guys ready for this? A lot of times this passage is translated as quick to listen, so that's what we're going to... I want everybody to repeat after me. You guys ready? All right, you ready? Quick to listen. listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. Perfect. Thank you. I love you guys for being loud with that one. Listening is difficult for us. Sometimes listening is hard. I was speaking with a middle school student earlier, and he told me that he doesn't really mind sermons on Sunday. He just doesn't listen. So sometimes listening is a little bit difficult for us. I was quite proud of the high school students as they went out And they listened to these people. They listened to people who were living on the street and heard their stories and heard the circumstances that brought them there. They handed out water bottles and listened to the stories that people had to share. They listened to us as leaders when we offered guidance and correction. And most importantly, they listened to God's word throughout the week and allowed it to convict them and to change them. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Back in the book of Job, way back in the Old Testament, Job's friends were doing great when they were listening. They spent seven days with him sitting and just sitting in silence and listening. But when they messed up was when they started speaking. That was when they started offering really bad advice and eventually God had to come in and provide correction. I think a lot of us still struggle with speaking first, asking questions later. Speaking as someone who has been training as a counselor for several years, I, have to, I admitted to the high school students that my inclination is oftentimes still to just jump straight into speaking. Somebody will come in and present a problem, and I want to immediately cut them off and go, all right, all right, I figured it out. I know what's wrong. Let me provide the solution for you. Let me tell you how to fix it. But what I found is that often is not actually helpful at all. What people need is someone to hear their story, to listen. And oftentimes, by listening and asking questions, we end up getting to the deeper issue that's deeper than what they initially presented with. The faster we are to start speaking, the more it shows that we don't really actually care what the other person is saying. Oftentimes, I think a lot of us are guilty of listening just in order to wait for our chance to speak. But when we're not listening, it also becomes easier to become angry. Slow to become angry. Going to New York, the students and leaders were confronted with a lot of viewpoints that we didn't necessarily agree with. Even at the church we were at, there was some planning and orchestrating that wasn't always the best, and so sometimes there was minor frustrations and irritations. However, our irritations, our stress, our frustration does not produce the righteousness of God. It says... In verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick question for you. If 
By show of hands, how many of you have made an argument better by getting angry? Okay, no, nobody, nobody? All right, by show of hands, how many of you have made an argument worse by getting angry? Okay, there's a lot more hands there, okay? A lot more hands. Our anger doesn't help. In fact, most of the time it makes it impossible to listen. Our anger is never helpful. It doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. So that's why we must listen first. However, we can't just listen. We can't just listen. In verse 21 it says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The sermon series Pastor Chris is currently going through is about maintaining a Christian worldview in a world that often views Christians negatively. Part of maintaining that Christian worldview is allowing ourselves to be convicted by Scripture and by the truth that we know from God. It says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So the filthiness, that word that it uses there, this is the only time that it's used in the entire New Testament, okay? The filthiness it's talking about here is basically like garbage, it's like slime, something that makes us unclean. And saying when it says rampant wickedness, the best way to translate that might be superfluous wickedness, basically unnecessary wickedness. And so that's the way we need to view sin as Christians. We need to view it first and foremost as gross, as disgusting, as garbage. As, I don't want to get anywhere near that. That's, I want to get as far away from that as possible. But then we also need to view it as completely unhelpful and unnecessary, that it's not worth having in our lives. It's not needed, that we, that we can get rid of it. So that's the way we need to view sin and the way we should attempt to put it away through the Holy Spirit. And that might mean making some serious decisions in your life. That might mean setting some very firm boundaries for yourselves that other people might make fun of or scoff at. It might mean seeking out fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage you and who you can ask to convict you when they notice that you're in sin. Or being upfront and vulnerable and honest with them and saying, hey, I've got this sin that I'm struggling with. I need your help. I need your help to... Keep me accountable to this and walk through me with this. Because I need to put this sin away. But by putting it away, we replace it with something else. It says, we must receive with meekness the implanted word. With meekness, with humbleness, we must receive God's word. I love the imagery here of it being like a tree. It says it being implanted, being grafted in. Where it, we take God's word and we allow it to make roots in us. We allow it to build inside of us and to grow inside of us to make these firm roots so that it's not easily taken out or torn away. But beyond that, being implanted in us, it'll grow and produce fruit in us. That's what we need to do with God's word. Because truly, God's word is the only real truth. It's the only thing unchanging. And ultimately, it's the only thing that has the power to save our souls. But we can't just listen. We have to use it to become leaders. So in verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When it talks about being doers of the word, that means actually living out the things that Scripture says. I was reading a commentary in preparation for this. 
one of the things he said was that most people we interact with as Christians are not reading the Bible. Most of the people you're going to see today are not reading the Bible. However, they are reading me and you. Our lives are a testimony of the gospel. The way we live and the way we act shows people whether or not we believe what's in Scripture. Our lives show them if this is something real and something that they need to take a look at. We tell them whether or not the gospel is true by the way we live our lives. We need to allow it to transform us, to change us, to be implanted in us. My wife has a saying that she often says, which is that actions are a language. And so the question I think we have to ask ourselves is what does that language that we're presenting through our actions communicate? Going into verse 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I think there's so many of us, myself often included, sadly, who we come to church and we listen to the sermon and we pray and we sing the songs and then we leave. And then within a few hours, we've forgotten everything that we were just learning about and praying about and singing about. We leave it behind. We come and we act as listeners, but we don't allow it to penetrate our hearts. I remember back a couple years ago when I was a youth director in California, I had just preached to this group of high school students. I felt like I really like poured it out. I really just put it all out on the line, poured out the gospel of these kids. And then afterwards, I was playing basketball with some of the students, and I turned to one of the students and I said, hey, what did, what did I just preach about? And he looked at me and I said, Face got kind of serious and blank, and he said, uh, something about Jesus, I think. <laughs> he had listened to me. He had sat there for 25 minutes not making a peep and just listened and heard me, but it hadn't penetrated his heart. He was a listener, but not a doer. Please, if you leave today and nothing has changed, we failed. When we hear God's word, when we approach God's word, it should change us. Every time we encounter it, it should change us. I do the 8 o'clock video and the 8 o'clock service almost every week. And my prayer every single week is, God, let this service change me. Let me be changed by this. Every time we walk in these church doors, every time we open up God's word, our prayer should be that it would change us. We shouldn't approach it and come to church and come to the Bible not expecting that something will change. It should change us. Verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It was amazing to me, just the short time that we had in New York, at the power that the gospel had, watching these students act as lights among a dark world. 
People who previously seemed either sad or angry, just yelling into their Bluetooth headsets, just lit up with joy upon seeing these high schoolers serving. It was amazing to see the faces that lit up of the homeless as these high school students sat with them and talked with them and showed them that God loved with them and that they wanted to hear their story and they wanted to pray with them. It was amazing uh, to see that people just became oftentimes very confused and baffled to see us handing out water bottles. I mean, part of that might have been that it was a torrential downpour, but so many of them were very just baffled by the fact that we were handing it out and it was completely free. Even when me and some of the high school students made a song about it and sung it to strangers, they still couldn't believe that we were just doing this out of showing God's love. It was amazing to see the blessing that it was for the trash ministry and how thankful the people were. We are blessed in our doing. Um, Just yesterday, I went to go get my hair cut And I started talking with the barber about some things God had done in her life and the ways God has blessed her. She talked about how God had walked with her through losing her son. And God had walked with her through the point where she had actually been told that she would never walk again. And at the end of the conversation, she told me that God had brought me to get my hair cut. And that through the conversation, that she had grown in her faith And she was very thankful for me coming in that day. She then took me to the register and paid for my haircut and gave me $20. Yeah, this was the barber who did this. So it was the cheapest haircut I've ever gotten, for sure. But it was a blessing that I didn't deserve, and I definitely didn't earn. But it was just a reminder that God blesses us in the doing. When we are doers of the word, God will bless us. But in verse 26, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Being Christian leaders means following Jesus' example in the way he speaks, or in the way he listens before speaking. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger. Otherwise, James's condemnation is strong. Following Christ means following his example. So you guys have heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Well, speaking as someone training to be a counselor, I found that oftentimes the wounds caused by words last a lot longer than those caused by sticks and stones. Our words have power, and the way they affect people is tremendous. We need to bridle our tongues and be willing to speak with kindness and love rather than with anger and hate and passive aggressiveness, gossiping, complaining, etc. And moving on, in verse 27, this is my wife's favorite verse in the entire Bible. It says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Pure and undefiled Christianity is one that involves going and reaching those who no one else is taking care of. It means serving and being willing to serve God first and foremost. I was so proud to see the high school students go off and serve wholeheartedly while during their time in New York. They never complained, they never fussed, they just served. One of my youth pastor friends used to always say, servants serve, servants serve. And they showed their being servants by the way that they served. 
The reason we go out and attend to the orphan and the widow and those without homes and those in dark circumstances is because Jesus did that to us first and foremost. He found us in our brokenness. He found us in our darkness. As we wander throughout our own personal Babylon, as sometimes where we pretend that we're happy, that we're like the wayward son, that we're, we're fine in our pig slop and our garbage and our filth, he's the one who sought us out and told us, I love you, I care about you, I want you to join my family. He finds us in the darkness. During the day when we were talking with the homeless, one of the, to- one of the gentlemen that we were speaking to on the street, his name was John, we were sitting and talking with him and praying with him, and I realized during this time that he actually had his heroin needle already out and ready to use when we found him. We sat, but during, we, so in this moment of his deepest shame and his deepest darkness, that's when God sent us to him. That's when God brought us to him to show him that he was loved and that he was cared for. I don't know where everybody is at in your specific situations, but I know that there's many of us who are dealing with our own personal darkness and shame. And there's many of us who don't know Christ, who don't know what it means to have that sin forgiven, wiped clean, and brought into a new family. God sent those high schoolers out to New York to bring the light to them. And I want to tell you that God brought you here today for a reason. There's a reason you're here today, whether it be as a Christian, so that you'll grow and change and be changed by his word, or whether as a non-Christian, that you'll come to know him for the first time. I'll be standing down here during the invitation. If you'd like to come find out what it means to be a part of the Christian family, I ask that you be bold and be brave. Come speak to me. Otherwise, be praying for those who don't know him. For the rest of us, let us be both hearers of the word and doers of the word. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for the heart of the high school students to be willing to go and serve you. God, I pray that even as they are home now, that they would continue in service of you. God, I pray for us as your believers and your followers, God, that we would never stop serving you and never stop hearing your word and allowing it to change us. And Lord, I pray that we would then go out and live out that word that you've given to us. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you, that they would come to find salvation in you. And for those who do know you, that we would be changed by you, God. We love you and praise you. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.